you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. You can be seated. I just wanted to uh, take a minute in the, in the middle of our, our worship just to give uh, voice, attention uh, to what's happening um, in our world, and I'm confident that most of us in uh, the room today have uh, been giving our attention to what's happening in Ukraine, and uh, we don't talk uh, a lot here uh, about our denominational affiliation. Uh, some of you maybe are disappointed by that, others of you it's not uh, a big deal. We come from all different kinds of places, uh, but this is an, an American Baptist uh, church, um, and there is when you look at the country of Ukraine, uh, it's the place in the world um, with uh, per capita the most people who would place themselves underneath um, that banner, Ukrainian Baptists. And so um, there is a, a big part of our heart that is in that place, um, not just this morning, but throughout this, this conflict. And also many of you, if you've been around Sioux Falls a long time, you may know the name Paul Logan. Uh, he has, in 1997, um, he created, uh, kick-started an organization called Arise Ukraine. And he has spent the last season of his life from 97 until today, now, in this moment, uh, investing in that place. And they uh, plant churches and they seek to uh, really carry the name of Jesus in, in that particular place. And so I corresponded with him a little bit. Uh, this week and just wanted to share uh, what I got most recently uh, from him. Just as dear friends, uh, it's 7 p.m. and dark outside here as we write, but Jesus, light shines brightly in our hearts as we continue to pray. We thank you for all of your emails, encouragement, and prayers. We're seeking God and at present, Nastia, his wife, and I feel we are to stay and be ready to help should an invasion occur, we would appreciate your prayers for guidance, protection, and wisdom. We believe we received the word from the Lord this morning. Behold, the wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and brings forth lies. He makes a pit, digging it out, and falls into the hole which he has made. Psalm 7, 14 and 15. Please pray that an invasion would not happen and that the two countries would live in peace and mutual respect and that the church would become much stronger through it all in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you to each one of you standing with us for the safety and the salvation of Ukraine. So I would just ask that you would just pray uh, with me as we pray for him and, and for that place. Lord Jesus, we know that you are able to do more than we can ask, more than we can think, more than we can imagine. And God, we pray that your spirit, your power that brought Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land, your power that closed the mouth of the lion, your power that was with David in the valley of Allah, your power who protected those boys in the fiery furnace, your power that raised your son from the dead in victory would rest on those precious people. And we know that there is a dark time and dark place, but your light swallows up every darkness. 
and your mercy and your compassion and your love is what fills the earth. And so God, we pray for a peace in that region. Uh, we pray um, that you would reach into this situation and you would do what only you can do, that we uh, stand in need of you. We are powerless uh, to change the situation. And God, I thank you for Paul and for Nastia and for the whole team there who has been invested in that place far before this particular conflict started. And God, I pray that you would reach your hand and voice into the Russian government and that you would bring an end uh, to this violence and to this conflict. And, and we also pray for your return today. Uh, we ask God that this would be the day uh, when we all would see you face to face and we would agree with the prophet that everything that we have used for war, we would use to harvest that our swords would be turned to plowshares in Jesus' name. Uh, but if today is not the day for that, uh, we ask that you would help us to be agents of peace in our place and in our time, and that you would protect Ukraine, and that you would protect the, the church there, and you would protect Paul, and you would protect Nastia and the beautiful people that they seek to serve uh, each and every day. And, God, we also know in this room that there's lots of pain, there's lots of hurt, there's lots of doubt, there's lots of questions, there's lots of uncertainty, and many families are carrying stuff that nobody else knows about. And so what we're praying over Ukraine, we also pray for us, for your deliverance, for your rescue, for your peace, uh, to cover us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I'm going to invite Bruce Bloomer forward. Uh, he is the executive director of Loganov Alive. He just returned from Haiti. And so I just asked if he would uh, give us just a little bit of an update of the time there, what's going on, and just kind of give us a little bit of a download uh, on that. Yeah, I appreciate your prayers. Um, it went smooth, and which is always a good thing. Um, it was just one other guy and I. Uh, we flew into Port-au-Prince, then flew to the island, spent very little time in Port-au-Prince, which is a good thing. Um, our main objective really was we're opening up a women's village. Uh, we had this man who came with us, um, donated land on the island of Laganov, um, and he wanted to see the land and, and what would what go on in the land. And so the smartest thing we did is we invited another organization who has built literally hundreds of homes in Haiti to come join us. And so there was two engineers and there was a, a, a country organizer, and they just gave us great ideas about simple design of the home, um, how do you you know, cover for materials, how, where do you place the homes, all those kinds of things. And so they were just incredible. Um, it looks like we can build 100 homes for women and their children in this, in this area, so which is incredible. Um, so they, he is also dedicated. Um, he's going to build the first 16 homes. And so we're going to get that off the ground. We have some logistics. Um, the other thing is we found is that in Haiti, it's better to give them the home. So the home will be completed. You give that to the women and their children. So it's pretty cool. And so um, Haiti is a particularly difficult place for women and children. And so to have just a simple, safe place to, to live will be cool. So that was, that was a big project, and that was worth the, the price of admission there. Um, but we, of course, stopped by the school. Um, 
they really don't care if I show up as long as I have soccer balls. And so my son and daughter-in-law uh, donated a bunch of soccer balls. And so I'm a hero for until the soccer ball disappears. And um, we brought t-shirts for all the kids. They love having you know, new t-shirts. We put in a solar system, a new solar electric and battery system. So now our school can run off solar. Um, all the lights, computers, the clinic for the clinic can now run off solar energy instead of having to fill up a generator. Um, so that's awesome. So that turned out well. Um, we built a clinic on the school. They gave it an interesting name. Um, and so that was fun. It's going to be a free clinic. So, I can't remember the name, but it just slips me. Um, so um, it's going to be a free clinic. So it'll be free to the kids and it'll be free to the, uh, to the people in the area. So that's, that's pretty incredible. So um, I've never seen people, it, Haiti's always desperate for food. I've, I've never seen them quite so hungry. And so we filled up a pickup full of rice and beans and uh, they call it Maggie. It's a, a chicken bouillon and things like that just to feed people. And so we gave a lot of food away to elderly, uh, to women. And uh, it's just a desperate time. Port-au-Prince is a mess. And so they get most of their supplies and food for Port-au-Prince. So when Port-au-Prince is a mess, they're a mess. And so um, it, it was probably the most desperate I've seen. Uh, people just really hungry. And so uh, anyway, it was a great trip. Um, looking forward to a group from, from this church going probably a year from now. So start putting your pennies away and uh, start thinking about whether the, God's calling you to, to, to head over there. We, we believe that from now on, we, for the time being, we'll probably just fly people to the island. And then we'll just have our suitcases brought there by land because it's just it's so easy to get there. You don't spend any time in Port-au-Prince. You get the island and life is good once you're in the island. So Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for giving us the update, yeah. and the clinic is given in the name of Bruce and Sharon Bloomer. That's what he didn't want to say, um, but we know that God gets glory for all of that, and um, thank you for being faithful, um, not just in this time, but all the way through of continuing to invest in that place that's so close to God's heart and ours. So can we thank Bruce? That'd be amazing. Amen. Well, I want to invite uh, my friend Christy Anderson uh, forward. She and uh, her husband Matt um, have a farm outside of Hartford. If not had a chance uh, to meet her, and she's going to uh, read our scripture today. So if we could welcome her. That would be amazing. Good morning. Let's give a hand to the worship team and for yeah. God. That worship was so good today. Thanks, you guys. All right. This morning, I'm reading Acts 3, 1 through 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he, he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. 
So this morning we are finishing our series in the life of Peter uh, because we are uh, to the season of Lent pretty much. And so Wednesday is Ash Wednesday and so uh, next Sunday we will uh, begin a a new series kind of carrying us through the season of Lent. But this morning we're going to kind of put a bow on our four-part series looking at uh, some critical moments in Peter's life. And and really today uh, there's really two ways to live. Uh, One way to live is to live by instruction, where you just follow all of the rules. You live by the list, by the expectations, and that's one way to live. But it's not the only way to live. There's another way to live, and it's to live not according to instruction, but to live according to wonder. And what I love about kids is you don't have to teach them about wonder. They're sort of born with wonder. But something that happens to us who used to be kids is we can kind of lose that wonder. I have uh, two kids, a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. My six-year-old, Miles, has this little chest right by his bed for all of his little treasures that he finds in the earth. And if you didn't know, the world is full of treasures. You just have to open your eyes. And so there's pennies in there. There's like little tiny Legos in there. There's little dandelions in the springtime that he put I mean just all of these random things and I never noticed any of them because to me they're not that wonderful they're not treasures but he lives with this perspective to live in this place of of wonder wow would you look at that look at that dead dandelion let's put that in my bedroom this is just kind of a way that he looks at life and this is sort of what happens with Peter like he doesn't always get the instruction part. You notice that when we look at his life? He wants to argue with Jesus about what's going to happen. But what happens in Peter's life is he lives according to wonder. You know, there's kind of two ways uh, that we could uh, have somebody build a boat. One way to have somebody to build a boat is to give them the roadmap to building a boat. So we would say, here's step one, here's step two. Here's step three, here's step four, and go build your boat. But another way to help them to build a boat is to take them on the water and to have them experience the beauty and the awe of the water and to live with this wonder of how amazing this is. And then that leads them to forsake all other things so that they can build a boat, so that what? So they can spend more time on the water. So not building the boat because they've been told to build the boat, but building the boat because they can't help but build the boat. And can I just tell you this morning, that is my greatest hope for this community of faith, that we would be a people who live not just according to instruction because we were told to because it's the rules because it's the right thing to do but that we would live according to wonder so that on a Sunday morning we're not just repeating the instructions of Jesus but we're getting our hands around wonder And wonder, when it's paired with instruction, leads to a fruitful life. And this is kind of what we see in in Peter. And Peter's this incredible character in the scriptures. His name comes up so many times in the Gospels, something like 200 times. 
And the rest of the disciples are named like 50. And it's not because there's a popularity contest going on. Part of it is that Peter kind of inserts himself in all kinds of situations. And so his name just happens to come up quite a little bit. And it's important for us to remember, you know, there's maybe a couple moments that we think about when it comes to Peter's life, like the the moment at the end of the life of Jesus where he denies Jesus. We kind of know about that moment. And it's just important to remember that after Jesus dies, Peter lives for like 34 more years. So the event that might stick in our mind as determinative of Peter's life and story is actually not. And it's just a good lesson for us that one season of life does not define your story. So when we find ourselves in a season of loss, like that is not determinative of what's going to happen to you. Because there's 34 more years after he says, hey, I don't know the guy. Well, you were with him. No, I wasn't. He turns into a little kid, a five-year-old. Uh-uh. I know you are, but what am I? Like 34 more years after that. So if you're in a season of loss, it doesn't determine your story. Like if you're in a season of pain, you're in a season of heartache, you're in a season of doubt, you're in a season of fatigue, it does not define your story. How do we know that? We can look at Peter 34 years after the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. The story of Peter is continually unfolding in front of him. And you know, part of what I love about Peter is he sort of shows us that learning to walk with Jesus is kind of like learning to drive a stick shift, anybody in the house. I'm not going to do it, but I could ask who in the house knows how to drive a stick shift. And there's some of us who would raise our hand even though the evidence of that knowledge is maybe a little bit different than our posture of the knowledge. But do you ever feel like that in your life with God? It's like fits and starts, and you sure hope you're not going to happen upon a hill, because if it's straight, I think you're going to be all right. But then it gets hard, it gets interesting, it gets gravel, it gets hilly, and then it's like, ooh, I'm not really sure how I feel about this. I think that's part of what it means to keep company with Jesus, to live life alongside of him. That there are highlights and there are lowlights. There's mountaintop and there's valley and there's meh. It's like in between. And I think the life of Peter beautifully illustrates that for us. You know, the gospel writers, I love this too, Like, they don't protect Peter's reputation. You notice that? I mean, all of this is written after all this happens. Like, it's not edited. You know, like, two siblings are at the park, and they're playing together, and something happens. And then they kind of come home, and one sibling covers for the other sibling. It's usually the younger sibling covering for the older. It's just kind of how it works, because older siblings put younger siblings under the bus. That's just kind of how that works in family dynamics. The gospel writers don't protect Peter's reputation. They don't edit out the moments that are not so shiny. It's kind of put it all on a table for us to look at and see and get our arms around. And I think that's instructive for us. It's part of what makes the Bible reliable. Is The Bible is not edited. 
to make God look a certain way or to make us look a certain way. But it holds truth and life and beauty. So Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are on their way to church. So it's time to pray. We pray a couple different times during the day. So in the morning and afternoon and in this late afternoon time. And they encounter a man sitting outside what's the, the eastern gate of the temple. So I kind of circled it for you right there. Uh, the gate called Beautiful. There's all these different kinds of gates. This is kind of like a cutaway of this is Herod's temple. Different kinds of temples. We don't have time for it today. Just, we'll just keep moving on. So Kindling Gate, uh, Watergate, all these different kinds of gates. And so he's sitting outside of there. Why? Because it's a high traffic area. It's 41st Street and Louise on Friday afternoon at 4.30. What a lovely place to be, isn't it? He's there because he's hoping that he's going to bump into enough people that would come to his aid and that would help him and he would have some money to live another day. And this man has not been able to walk for his entire life. So every day he is brought uh, to this place outside the temple and he asks people for money. And can I tell you what I love about this? Like, I love that even after the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, this is Acts, right? So this is after the Gospels, written by Luke. I love that the disciples didn't give up on the temple. Like, I love that they saw the temple as an opportunity, as a place where they could share with other people they would bump into about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. They didn't leave that place and go start just their own thing and leave all the temple worship alone. I think that's instructive for us. Like, are we leaning into the world? Is that our posture? Or is our posture to kind of like lean out of it? And I think the disciples are instructing us, no, like there are opportunities like, lean into the world. Like, be involved. Don't just, don't just point a finger at all the things that are wrong. But lean into the place that God has placed you in. So I was wondering today, like, does anybody have a penny you can give me? That's a serious question. Anybody have a penny? Anybody have, like, a, a bobby pin? Anybody have a Kleenex? Do I have anything? Do I have a penny? I have a penny. Okay, good. Here, they're working on it. Do I have a Kleenex? I have a Kleenex. Is it used? It's not used. Great. Do I have a bobby pin? You don't have to take it out of your hair, ladies. Just one. Oh, we have a oh, bobby pin. Kayla, amazing. Great. Okay. So can I have it? Do you have a penny? Oh, amazing. Baseball player right there, Travis Lavender. Okay, great. Where's my bobby pin at? Kayla, can I have that bobby pin? I'll give it back, I promise. Okay. Kleenex, where's my Kleenex at? No more Kleenexes. Oh, a whole package. Amazing. Thank you, Anderson family. That's super great. I don't know how often you've had been in a moment in time when you've had to ask someone for something. There's maybe nothing more vulnerable than being in a place in your life where you stood in need. 
And somebody else had something that you needed, and you had to ask for it. I mean, when I asked the room, can I tell you what happened in the room? People got like, ooh. And I think that's instructive for us, that I think that's a part of what it is to be human. And part of what it is to be human is that we are people who are going to stand in need. And sometimes, you know, I don't think it's just the pain of what we're suffering. I think sometimes it's the duration of what we're suffering. And this is just like a glass of water. I'm kind of thirsty a little bit. It's a little warm. It's been in there since 9 o'clock. Some fuzzies in it. Um, but if I just asked somebody to hold this cup of water, it like, wouldn't be that hard. You could do it. But if I asked you to hold it for an hour, what would happen? It would start to get a little heavy. If I asked you to hold it for two hours and three hours and six hours, if I asked you to hold this cup of water for the rest of the day, it would become very problematic. Because why? It would get in the way of the other things that you have to do. It would become all, an all-consuming thing, and it would be heavy. So sometimes it's not just the pain of what you're experiencing, but the duration of the pain. This man has been seated outside of the temple gate, day after day, time after time, asking for the resources he needs for another day. He's not asking for 10 years from now. He's not asking for somebody to help him with his 401k. Like he's asking to survive. And Peter and John come into contact with this man. And I love this healing. This healing shows us a couple things. One of the things it shows us is Isaiah, the prophet, is talking about a, a day of redemption, a day of healing, a, a day of hope that's coming in the future. Isaiah 35, he says this, Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the eyes of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And so this moment, this healing, when Peter and John come face to face, eye to eye with this man, and they look at him, and he looks back at them. Luke makes that clear. And they, they even say, look at us, right? And it's not, look at me when I'm talking to you. It's like, no, like, be present in this moment. And they say, silver and gold, like, we don't have that. Like, the disciples, like, aren't prosperity gospel preachers. They're not, like, walking around with lots of money to spare. They live like Jesus lived, moment by moment. So silver and gold we don't have, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And he helps him, his feet become strong, and he runs into the temple, living out Isaiah 35. He's leaping and he's praising God. And people in the temple are like, oh my. he interrupts church. I wanted to figure out how I could get a deer in here, but I just thought that would be a little much. So I went with the bobby pins. But he interrupts church. And this is an interruption. This is divine interruption. Like the hope that is coming. 
when God returns to heal those in need and to give words to those who can't speak and to give life for those who are in the grave, like this moment is a picture of what God desires to do, not that we're all going to gather together and take a rocket ship up to heaven, but that he's going to renew the earth. And so the idea is not getting to heaven, but getting heaven into us. So a couple of things I think this healing shows. One, that idea that I think is just really beautiful is that what you do for one has the power to reach the lives of many. This is one man, this is one moment, this is one event. But it's got the power to spill over out of this man's life into the lives of others. He runs into the temple and people are impacted by his testimony. Like, oh my goodness, that's the guy. I was trying to avoid him on Tuesday. And look at what has happened to his life. So I just want to, for a second, this is not really the point of the message today, but I just want to say something to the teachers Like, what you do for one has the power to spill into the lives of many. And I just think right now is a hard time to be a teacher. I have a friend who posted something this weekend that was like, hey, could we start a staff meeting one time with taking some stuff off the plate of teachers rather than putting it on? That's another sermon for another day. But can I just remind you that what you do for one has the power to spill into the lives of many. Like, can I talk to the parents in the room for a second? Like, what you do for one has the power to spill into lives. I want to talk to everybody who works in an office. How you interact with one has the power to spill over into the lives of many. Because we have a Jesus who takes some bread and takes some fish and he blesses it. And he fills a whole crowd of people. What's small? So what is small in your hand is not small in the hand of God. So what James and John are able to pay attention to and bring into this man's life through the power of the Spirit doesn't just stay within him, but it spills out of him. Another thing that I love is that God is at work among the unexpected. Like, this is how God works. Like, he does not work in ways that we expect him to. Like in, when Jesus is born, it's, it's the Magi, the Persians, not the Jews from the east that come to visit him. And this is also what happens in the life of Peter. Like Peter is not this person that you would have expected at the end of the book of John. You would have not have expected Peter to be the one that God uses in the early church. He's not like the poster child for church planting because he's got moments where he bumps into his flesh. But what happens later in the book of Acts, I want to show you. So they're in Jerusalem, but then Peter is on his way and he goes to the Black Star, which is called this town Lydda. And there's a man there who's been paralyzed for eight years, can't move, and he heals him. And there's a group of people, they hear about that. And they're like, hey, go, there's a bunch of people in Joppa to the north. And they hear that he's around. And so they're like, hey, go get Peter because we've got a lady who's sick. 
Her name's Lydia, and she's in bed, and she is deathly ill, and actually, by the time Peter arrives, she's already died. They're already washing her, the text says, washing her, getting her ready for burial. Like, they're picking out the songs for the funeral, and figuring out, are we going to do ham or turkey with the sandwiches? Like, that's where this is in this family's life. And they go and get Peter, and Peter arrives on the scene, and Peter's like, hold on. Stop making the sandwiches. God wants to do something. And he goes into her room, and he speaks over her, and the power of the Spirit is working in and through him, and he raises her to life in the power of the Spirit. And I just wondered, like, who does that sound like to you? Can you think of another story in the scriptures that sounds a little bit like that? It's a story of a man that sounds like Mazarus. And he's already died. Yeah. And he comes to the tomb and calls him out and heals him. What you do for one spills into the lives of many, and this is happening in the life of Peter and through the life of Peter. And Peter's engaging in this town-to-town ministry. And I think it's important for us in a, when we come to this moment, like if we took the names out of this story in Acts chapter 3, like John's name is out, Peter's name is out, like can we imagine Jesus doing something like this? It sounds a whole lot like Jesus, doesn't it? Noticing the person in need and speaking to the need and empowering the person. And I think that's instructive for us. Like, that's a good question for us to be asking. Like, what's unfolding here? Can we imagine Jesus doing this? Like, God works in unexpected ways through unexpected people. That night that Peter denies Jesus, he was a bad candidate for proclaiming the message of Jesus after the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And that afternoon, the man who sat outside the temple begging for money was a bad candidate for walking into the temple. Like, probably wasn't going to happen. So I would just say that it is a huge mistake to determine the timing, the manner, and the outcome of what God wants to do in your life. Like, it's a mistake to do that. To decide the timing of God's work, the manner of his work, and the outcome of his work. And it's a mistake to determine the timing, the manner, and the outcome of the work of God in the life of another person. To just decide in our minds, like, that's going to be their story. That's where they're going to sit. That's where they're going to remain. Like, they just sit outside the temple, and they just, like, beg. Like, this story shows us that that is a mistake because, you know what, like, you might be sitting outside of the temple now on this day, but you have been made to leap and to shout. And there might be somebody in your life who in many ways is sitting outside the temple. And it's just good for us to remember that they have been made to leap and to shout. Like you may have denied Jesus this week, but you have been made to tell of him. There might be somebody in your life 
who has denied Jesus again and again. I'm not interested in being involved in church. I'm not interested in what you have to say to me. But they have been made to tell of him. And at the very end of Peter's life, I'm going to invite the band up as we close today. At the very end of Peter's life, he hasn't lost the wonder. Because at the end of Peter's life, he ends up in a cell like this. We don't know if this is the actual place people fight about whether that's true or not. But he ends up in this place. He ends up with another opportunity to tell of the power and the mystery and the presence of God to a whole group of people. And Peter hasn't always gotten the instructions right, but he hasn't lost the wonder. And so when I think about what I hope for us, what I hope for this church, what's beautiful about the life of Peter is that he doesn't allow the instructions that he got wrong to push him away from the wonder that is his. And so how, how are you going to build a boat? Are you going to build a boat because I gave you the four steps of building a boat? Or are you going to build a boat because you got on the water and you fell in love with it? And you're like, well, how are you going to get on, on the water without a boat? Just don't be me. Like, are we going to be a church of instruction? Or are we going to be a church of wonder? I think if we want to be a church of instruction, we'll know about a lot of things. And we'll have a whole lot of knowledge. But it's not really good for anything without the wonder. Because the wonder is the place where we practice the instruction. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.